SUSS presents. I've heard yep. this so often from relatives, from yep. clients that, oh, if you have mental illness or depression, it's just a weakness. Mm. It means I don't know how to handle it. Mm. You know, I'm And not, I need to snap out strong. of it. That's right. right that's yeah. right. Because everybody <gasps> yeah. keeps telling them, just relax. Yeah. It's yeah. part yeah. of it. The yeah. worst <laughs> excuse ever. Right. The, the, the kind of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for the older people, it's the culture, but it's also the perception of mental illness as something that you can control mm. and therefore control it, which means snap out of it right. or, or, or suck it up. Everyone loves a good story. Finding opportunity in adversity, overcoming the odds and making a difference. And that's the theme of our series, Silver Linings. A show where we celebrate stories of social impact, shared by students, alumni, faculty members, and special guests of the Singapore University of Social Sciences. Welcome to Silver Linings. I'm Emily Otega, Head of the Psychology Program at the School of Humanities and Behavioral Sciences at SUSS. This episode, we're talking about mental health, and specifically about promoting mental well-being as a preventive strategy. Joining me today are Padma Jairam and Deborah Lam. Padma is a senior psychologist with the Institute of Mental Health Singapore, and Deborah is the co-founder of Society Staples, a social enterprise that promotes awareness and advocacy for persons with disabilities. Padma and Deborah, thank you for joining us today. Thanks thank for, having, for having, having us. Thank you. Okay, given the current pandemic situation, how is everyone doing? Wow, this question is a little bit hard. Um, yeah. so it's difficult times, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, so life has shown me a lot of lemons and I'm currently juggling mm. all of them. But I would say I'm, I'm actually doing reasonably well given all the circumstances. Yeah. yeah, and it's really thanks to a huge community of support. So yeah, so while I'm going through like a whole bunch of different emotions, uh, I think largely I am doing quite well. That's good to hear, Deborah. How about you, Pama? I think I'm doing okay, but I have to say that I think I was very surprised at how I was not really coping when COVID-19 and the circuit breaker hit. Mm. Why am I surprised? I suppose I thought I would just have the tools to know how to deal with yeah, this because you're the you know I'm, a, I'm, right? yeah, I'm yeah. the one with the answers, you right? Know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I think Deborah said correctly when life throws you lemons, everybody gets lemons. Yeah. Nobody's bad. So I think I was surprised that I'm really glad at where I am now and gratitude every single day helps a lot in that aspect. Totally yeah. agree. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. How are you? I'm good. I think <laughs> I was also a bit struggling uh, at the beginning with yeah. this uh, current situation. Again, you know, uh, as a psychologist yeah. by training, everyone thinks it's okay, you know, yeah. you, you'd be all right. You are the last person who would not have issues, right? But everyone has issues. Yes. yes. Right, yeah, and I think that's the thing about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's good to know that we're all in a good space now. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so very both grateful. both of you are now involved in uh, mental wellness in very different capacities for your work. Now, sure. what is that like? So when someone asks me about my work, which I'm absolutely grateful for because I have a variety of clients to work with, I go to prison once a week. So I work with my inmates with mental illness there. We have a small unit, which IMH helps them manage the mental illness with psychiatrists, occupational therapists and nurse educators and medical professionals. And then at IMH, I see our regular people, you and me at the outpatient clinic, so that's really nice. And also a little bit of the forensic patients I see in the inpatient wards. So it's an interesting work. Yeah. Love it. Sounds very interesting. 
Thank you. Meet all sorts of people. All sorts yeah? of people. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Yeah. How about for you, Deborah? Yeah, so my work's really interesting. The social enterprise that I run has been going on for about five and a half years already. Wow, that's a long time. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. I actually started it right when I was starting SUSS. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's like together, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we started a lot uh, focusing on awareness and advocacy because mm. back then in 2015, mm. I think the space of just like social inclusion mm. for people with disabilities was not very prominent yep. yet yep. and along the way around 2017 we started to shift a lot into training and consultancy mm. because the whole idea was we wanted to capacity build more skills in our stakeholders so that uh, more people can actually carry on the work and right now I'm looking a lot more into systems thinking OD intervention uh, OD is organizational development and also tri-sector collaboration I truly believe in the power of community and just bringing people together I think you're in a very interesting space mm-hmm. right Indeed. now yes. yeah as a as a social entrepreneur yes uh, so and you've recently graduated yeah. yeah so I think this is an apt moment to ask you so how has your education in psychology what have you learned over these last few years how is it helping you in your job right now given that you're not a psychologist yeah oh wow so there is definitely a lot of application I think it just comes with understanding better when I have concepts and theories that I've learned in school I see that playing out in the work that I do in you know the communities that I'm serving and it just helps me to be able to name things. Uh, I think what's most helpful is sometimes to figure out the how, you need to know the what. Yeah. And when I have these theories and concepts, then I actually know the what and then I can think, how do I contextualize it? How do I make the necessary adaptation so that I can continue to serve these communities better? So just having that whole frame of mind and just that information and sometimes I still refer back to my textbooks, especially oh, abnormal I'm psychology. I'm so happy to hear that, Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> like I take my abnormal psychology what? textbook, right? Yes. Then sometimes yes. like, yeah, because it also talks, like there's yeah. a whole chapter around yeah. intellectual disabilities yes, and autism right. and all yes. of that. Yes. And when I see that, I'm like, this is my work, right? This is how I apply it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm very happy to hear that you're still referring back to your textbooks because I think it goes on that whole path where you tell students, hey, when you use your textbooks, it's not just for your assignments, yes, right? It's for, sure. for you next time in life. Definitely. And I mean, Padma, you're also an associate with us. You're back as an alumni, but yeah. you're also back as a part-time lecturer That's with right. us. Yeah. But how have you seen the way that the psychology program has changed perhaps from the time that you were studying Right, right. So now that you're teaching it. Mm. Uh, so when I did it, oh gosh, that was like donkey years ago, right? We, we, so we won't, we won't say the year. We won't, we won't yeah? say that, <laughs> but it's okay. I think it's obvious. Um, so that was a psychology with sociology program. Oh, that's the same uh, as Deborah. Was, yeah. yeah, so we yeah. were just saying, I was just yeah. telling Deborah how yeah. lucky it is because that is such a, I think it's, it's just an amazing combination. combination. It is. Perfect. Yeah. Mm. Psych and soci coming together. Mm. And well, Emily, in this respect, I've got to be grateful to you because... I saw the psych program. I think after that, it changed for a while. It was very, very theoretical, which has its place. And I absolutely understand that. But I think you've really tried to come in and introduce modules that, for example, the one that you've allowed me to teach and you've encouraged (laughs) me to, which is an introduction to counseling psychology. Mm -hmm. So a bit more practical approach, just an introduction to being out there in the community and perhaps talking to people and doing actual work, understanding. So that's been great. I think there's a health and wellness Mm -hmm. bit that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I love the way the program is shaping up right now. And I think we're introducing more modules right yeah, yeah. Like even like, we even yeah. go like a psychology of non-verbal behaviors you, you know when i tell people this is what we teach they're like wow you mean yeah. you have stuff like that it's so practical yes uh, so useful and I, I think for the psychology program what we want to be able to see is that you know we're not just training people to be psychologists but we're training people yeah. to go out there as mental health as advocates it should right? be. to be yeah. able to help people yes. and that doesn't just encompass knowing theories no. and, you know knowing your abnormal psych no, like the- uh, right it, it encompasses a lot more things <laughs> yes. yeah. like the skills yes. of working with people yes. talking to yeah. people communicating with people being able to ask each other 
how are you? Yeah. yeah. Given that you've both been in your respective industries for a while now, what's it like? You know, How do you think that mental health has evolved over the years? I think for persons with disabilities in the community, the caregivers are probably the ones where mental health is a big focus yep. and increasingly so over the last one year especially during Circuit Breaker, I think they were really undergoing a lot of stress. So yeah. there was this survey done with um, caregivers who had children with autism. So we had about 200 plus respondents and more than 80% of them actually said their mental health at that point of time was yeah, not good. Imagine. Yeah, because just having their kids at home yeah. 24-7 and not just their kid with disability, but perhaps they may also have other children mm. plus other family members yeah. and just everyone mm. is cramped mm. up. And I think also for persons with autism, they need a lot of that sensory input. Yeah. So they really love going outdoors, right? Yeah. It, it helps just to calm them down. And yeah, yeah exactly, oh just yeah. stuck at home. Yeah, you know? and, it must be tough. Yeah, and also on top of being a caregiver, um, which is usually the mum, yeah. they also have to cook, they have to clean, you know, all yeah. your regular household yeah. chores. So it's just all stacked one on top of each other yeah. and yeah that was really really a very 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 tough time for them yeah I can yeah. imagine Like I think we were just saying at the very beginning that we all had difficulties yeah. can you imagine people who have yes. you know even more, even more yes. responsibilities yes. and um, more things to look after in yeah. life right that would have been even harder for everyone I mean it's a good thing that things are, are getting a bit better now mm, yeah. right but yeah. it's not back to normal yet but yeah. we don't know what normal's going to look like right? <laughs> exactly. but I think that's all the more we need to really look out for mental health Definitely. issues exactly. yeah? Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I think over the years, like Deborah was saying, there's definitely more of that challenge this year. I mm. mean, no one saw this coming, yeah, yeah. Um, which is why it's probably called unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. I think over the five and a half years as well, what I've noticed is more people coming to IMH. And, uh, willingly. willingly. Willingly, right? Yes. <laughs> um, you know that yep. joke we always, we talked about the other time about taking a grab ride to IMH mm. and the driver looking at you nervously <laughs> as if, you know, if you're a patient or a person who's... That has stopped. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, you find Ooh. that that has stopped? Every now when, and when do you think when, that that has stopped? Uh, like maybe the last three I years I think the or last something? two years. Two maybe. years? Uh, certainly more so, I think, now. Okay. So <laughs> there's definitely more acceptance. So when you do tell people that, you know, you're heading to IMH, there's a certain understanding that comes with it, almost a kindness. And wow. When, and I do see my clients, they are <laughs> yeah. also more willing to say, yeah, I wanted to come here because... I knew I needed help. And, oh, that's and amazing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Especially amongst our younger people. Mm. So that's always great. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad that we're talking about mental mm. health and not calling it any other derogatory term that's supposed to make it sound like you're less than mm. normal. Mm. So that's really nice. Yeah. yeah. It seems like all these years that we were talking about how, you know, like we hope that mental health situations in Singapore will improve. It yes. seems these are the little signs, right? Yeah. Yes. That yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. Well, but Deborah, I think you work quite a fair bit with youth as well. So do you see that same pattern emerging? Yeah, so I work a lot with tertiary students mm -hmm. as well as like young adults and they are definitely a lot more open to just talking right. about it. Yeah. Yeah, and even just like asking questions and yes. you know, just like having good quality conversations. And I think that's really lovely because if you look probably back like five years ago, it was so hush-hush, right? Like you couldn't yeah. even yeah. say yeah. mental health. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even though that's yeah. like a category, yes. right? Yeah. You couldn't even broach it. But right yeah. now, people are actually having that distinctions. They're able to discern like, oh, what's depression? What's mm -hmm. schizophrenia? Mm -hmm. Bipolar? Mm -hmm. You know, people actually do have that knowledge. Yeah. And I think there's also this shift of not just looking at it from a very medicalized perspective, mm. but also seeing it as, it doesn't mean that if I don't have a mental health condition, means I don't need to care about my mental wealth. 
wellness. Yeah. Because it's still important, right? Yes. Then now you see Instagram, what I want to log in, right? It's just flooded with images of, oh, self-care. Yeah. And yeah. like, please ask yeah. yourself these questions. Let's do journaling. Yeah. Go out for a nature walk, right? So there's a lot of all this ground up, um, just inputs coming. Yeah. And I think that's really nice because people are taking ownership and responsibility. At least sure. that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if this is the direction that we are going, then I'm very heartened. I'm just yeah. looking for, yeah. you know, what's to come. Yeah. Which is pretty bright. Yeah. Yes. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned about social media and I think that's a big one, right? Like I think maybe now with social media, people feel more willing to disclose because they hear other people yes. saying yeah. certain things yes. uh, yeah. on social yes. media. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. But then yeah. also on the flip side, we also have issues of people who commit suicide mm. that's right. Uh, right, or express thoughts of suicide yes. over social mm. media. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? I want to say that there's a mental health, mental illness is something that was difficult again to talk about because most of us just want to talk about the positive side of Mm. things. Mm. So again, if it's mental health and wellness, it seemed like, okay, we're just going to talk about self-care and and hugging my dog. The good stuff. And then, Mm. well, that's a painful stuff and this is some of those painful experiences and I think we've got lots of, uh, there's gathering of mums as well. There's an organization of mums who actually... Mm, The Please Stay movement. That's right. Yeah. 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 Who talk about their children and being survivors. So I'm glad that the younger people feel more comfortable coming into IMH and actually saying, oh, I've had these thoughts of wanting to end my life or to harm myself and are willing to just talk about it. Mm. Yeah, Because Mm. the more you ask, the more somebody can Mm. correct, can clarify, can help you understand. Mm. Education. Yes, basically, right? So at least we can create some sort of awareness and so this is what the signs are that you've got to watch for and not just keep it under the carpet so that we don't realize that this is what's going on and we suffer in silence so i'm glad we're talking about it yeah yeah totally so i've heard from a teacher uh, so this teacher actually has a mental health condition and she has done a lot of healing done a lot of therapeutic work um, and she really wanted to share with her students because she knows that quite a number of them may be facing similar challenges especially right now with the stresses in the education system and she was actually not allowed to so the school Mm. uh, didn't allow Mm. so the school's worry was that if she talked about suicide Mm. during the assembly talk then everyone will start thinking about committing suicide right but from her sentiment which is exactly like what Padma said that's not true right or it may not always be that case because if you talk about it and you actually open and create that opportunity for people to share that's actually a chance for you to connect with that person right right. and help them and support them and journey with them so yeah so I do Mm. feel that it's great that we're definitely talking about it and there is also responsibility on the social media side so for Instagram for instance if you hashtag depression uh, which I tried yesterday oh you um, did yes there's (laughs) actually like this little pop up that says like oh you know if you need to seek help you can click here and they're saying like if you're thinking about it wow that's good yeah and um, I I believe Facebook has that as well so I think these like companies are also taking up a lot more responsibility in guiding and steering people in the right way just based on your searches because that can be quite telling yeah, of some true, of the experiences true. that you that's might right. be going through. That's right. So yeah. like trying to pick up early signs through, yes. through technology. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's a really interesting thing, right? And I think uh, we talked about so-called that negative part of yeah. it, right? Like, yeah. you know, social media and people talking about depression and stuff that it seems like maybe to some people they might think it's not such a good thing to talk about it but we're saying, hey, there's actually a good flip side to Definitely. it because there's an opportunity for yeah. education. Yes. Right, and I guess that also kind of like leads to the next point about how people are now very willing to on social media say things like, "Hey, I'm going to see my therapist today." You know, right. I'm <laughs> seeking help. That it makes help seeking behavior a lot more common, which yes. kind of like yes. ties in with what we were talking yeah. about yeah. earlier, yeah. Very right? Normalized. Yeah, yeah, like it's okay 
But do you find that that's a, a trend that happens even with the older generation or is it only just limited to the younger generation mm. now? I don't think it applies to the older oh, generation. Oh, really? I yeah. want to agree with Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. 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 So it's still kind of a taboo topic for yeah. older people. Yes, I yes. want to say yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. just thinking of my clientele. Yeah. yeah. So the 40-ish, so around my age and, mm. and older, still coming to IMH is almost somebody else brought them along mm-hmm. and said, no, look, you've got to seek help, okay, before yeah. everything goes south. Compared to my 20-somethings mm. who are very willing and able and come in and they've read up on yeah. all of these yeah. things wow, as well. Wow. Yeah. They can tell you about yes. it, right? Yes, yes. They can They're using their words, yeah. there's the terminology and they're telling you this is what I think is going on for mm-hmm. me. You're going okay. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, Deborah's right. I think the older yeah. generation, still some struggles there, mm. but uh, still a lot better mm. than say five years ago. Yeah. yeah. But what's the difference you think between the, the older and the younger generation in, in help-seeking behaviours for mental health? Wow, that's a really good question. (laughs) Uh, I think culture definitely plays a part. Mm -hmm. So we were previously just talking about social media. That has definitely helped, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think our youth these days, we take a lot of content from what's happening in Western countries. And as they become more open and you you see a lot more of these movements um, happening, it will naturally trickle down to our local context. Right, so there's that cultural context. And I think in my parents' generation, for instance, they probably don't have a good grasp or understanding about what mental health is. Mm-hmm. And there is no Google mm-hmm. and stuff for them to actually yeah. even go and yeah. find out about it. And yeah, last time it was all like, okay, you've got all these issues, then please hush, hush, just keep quiet. Right, but <laughs> yes. right now use is like, hey, I'm struggling. Like, I want to know why. Yes. Right? I want answers. Right. I want to find solutions. So, and I yeah. want to talk to someone. Yes, yes, yes. 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 So there's That's definitely the this yeah. like huge willingness mm. Even that awareness of just wanting to go out there and explore and experiment yeah. and to find something that works for me. Yeah. And I think part of it is also because probably our youth are still going through that whole identity crafting stage. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for them because there are some individuals with, with mental health conditions that I know who are really very embracing of their conditions, mm-hmm. right? They see True. it as part of their identity. Yeah. And there is really no shame about it. They will just openly tell you like, yeah, you know, I have so-and-so. This is my condition. It doesn't define me, but it is part of me. And I think that kind of distinction, it really empowers them because they know that they are in control of their lives. Mm. Yeah, and I think use these days, we are also a bit more individualised rather yeah. than last time. Sure. Right? Yeah, or yeah, everyone's yeah, yeah. a bit yeah. more like community. Like, yes. you know, let's just, yeah. So it's not yes. that like we are disrespectful, but I think we have like a certain frame of mind of how we want to lead our lives and the things that we want to do. So that definitely pushes us out of that comfort zone a lot more. Yeah. Well, since Deborah is kind of like speaking up for the younger people, <laughs> um, you should speak up for the older people, right, <laughs> yes. Emily? Yes. Not so much about the older people, but given that you have like mm. friends uh, as well, right, uh, within that generation, why do you think yeah. the older generation find it so hard to speak up? I think like Deborah was saying, culture is a huge part of it. Mm. And it's this perception that it's a weakness. I've heard yeah. this so often from relatives, from yeah. clients that, oh, if you have mental illness or depression, it's just a weakness. Mm. It means I don't know how to handle it. Mm. You know, I'm and not, I need to snap I'm not out strong. of it. That's right, right that's yeah. right. Because everybody yeah. keeps telling them, just relax yeah. and snap yeah. out yeah. of it. The yeah. worst excuse ever, right? The, the, the kind of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for the older people, it's the culture, but it's also the perception of mental illness as something that you can control mm. and therefore control it which means snap out of it right. or, or, or suck it up, which is another yeah, thing I up, always right. hear. Yeah. So I think mm. they may feel it's a sense of responsibility 
as well. I need to be the role model for these 20-somethings that are just so emotionally not resilient. Mm. And I think there's a little bit of a misconception that this is not emotional resilience to (laughs) deny what you're feeling. Mm, Uh, It really isn't. It's it's emotional resilience to actually acknowledge it. So I think like we were talking about earlier on whether mental illness is talked about, it's how we talk about Mm. it. Mm. So the younger generation seems to have wonderfully gone into this, let's talk about it, let's be open. The older people are still struggling with, can we talk about it? Because what if I talked about it and people looked at me like I was a weakling? I used to have a couple of teachers come in and I was teaching before, so I could relate to what was going on. But again, they would say, I cannot come and see you often because I can't get time off because mm. it would be scary. Mm. you know. So I think it's still something that we are afraid of mm. yeah. talking Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you, you talk about how they don't want to come and see you because they have to take time off. They ha- yeah. And that means the organizations... Right, the organizations yeah, need to be fear. okay, right? To allow people to go and seek help. You know, recently I, I heard of a story, right? Of a, one of my friends was relating a story about how in her company, mm-hmm. she has a particular team member who was not very productive uh, at work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And giving her some kind of behavioral problems but she didn't understand why mm. right uh, and eventually her teammate actually told her like oh it's actually because i have a mental health okay. disorder but said please do not tell anybody else mm. about it right mm. so you can imagine a lot of leaders in organizations are kind of like stuck right yes right because they need to be able to motivate their employees yeah. Uh, yeah. to be able to be understanding at the same time to say hey it's okay today if you don't feel like coming into work maybe you can stay at home mm. you know sure. but at the yeah. same time productivity that's right. Affected, Definitely. right? And Everybody how, how does else. She, yeah, how does she yeah. answer to her bosses, yeah. Yeah. right? To yeah. say like, oh, and the boss is like, this person doesn't even come in. It's always lazy, always exactly. lazy, right? Mm. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, that becomes a, a bit of a predicament yes. for a number of people, right? Absolutely. When it comes to having mental health issues and yeah. working, yeah. In yeah. an organization, yeah. some people don't want to disclose it, yeah. right? Yes. Or they only want to disclose yes. only to certain, to certain people, yes. and then right. there's a confidentiality yeah. limit yeah. that's imposed, which is really yeah. tough on that person, yeah. which is usually the boss or the yeah. supervisor, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So I think in being able to discuss a mental illness, mental health, and say, for example, if someone does have a mental health issue, and, and I'm saying talking about this generally with the company, mm. with everybody, mm. right? It doesn't have to be any one person, but just talking about, so, you know, what do y'all think about hiring someone with a mental health issue? What does that look like? And addressing those concerns, I think as a company together, before even embarking on something like that and then dealing with it on a retrospective because I think that doesn't help. Mm. Yeah. So, right, Deborah, yes. I think something like that would help mm. Yeah, um, but if people don't want to disclose... You know, and they try to get a job first. And then the problems start, right? What can we do to help organizations or leaders, perhaps? I would like to say, I think based on my experiences, a lot of times, the crux of the issue, right, it's really revolving around colleagues. Mm, mm. Yeah, I have seen bosses who are truly embracing, but yeah. I think when colleagues start, you know, saying like, oh, this person is not performing, like what you mentioned, right, not showing yeah. up at work and, and all, definitely the, a gossip cycle will start. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And once gossip starts, uh, it really has just like a life cycle on its own. Right? <laughs> it just continues yes. and it doesn't stop, right? So yes. it just snowballs, yeah. it gets worse. Mm. And I think it just comes to a stage where then the bosses really have to step in and, and make very painful decisions. Yes. Yeah, right. But to answer the question on 
what can we start doing? I think first of all, it would help a lot if the person is willing to disclose, not just to specific mm. people, but mm. at the very least, the team that he or she is working with. So, you know, there can be some sort of ground understanding. Yeah. And I think there also needs to be probably like external support coming in to perhaps teach or equip the colleagues with skills on how do you interact with this person? How do you provide space? But also ensuring that he or she will still deliver what he or she needs to do right mm-hmm. because it's one thing to have a mental health condition but regardless you are still an employee that's right yeah, yeah. so you still yeah. do have to perform right yeah. unfortunately that's what's expected of you la, yeah. right and i think if you really can't which in certain circumstances it can be quite difficult mm-hmm. i have also seen companies they exhaust all their options yeah. and you know it boils down to the stage where they really did have to let the person go Mm, yeah, sure. because you know it's a business. You're not running a charity. That's right. You really do need your people in your team to actually deliver outputs. Correct. Yeah. 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 You can't be so understanding all the yeah, time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. 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 At the expense of your business. Sure. Correct. That's right. It's um, really about the balance, right? Yeah, it's it not like is. extreme ends. Like you're mm. sort of saying, say, don't do any work. Yes. Also, never yes. mind, right? Or like, yeah, yeah. I push you yeah. all the way and say, yeah. you better do what I don't care. Whatever yeah. condition you have, right? Exactly. So it's really just yeah, trying to find that balance. And I guess I'm reminded of how there are clients who will come and say, I want to look for a job. Then they'll ask me, so do you think I should say anything Mm, about my mental Mm. illness? And that question is always met with a discussion of, let's talk pros and cons Mm. on disclosing the mental illness. So what are your fears, obviously anxieties, and what's the flip side? So like I was telling you ladies just now, if it's about community partners who work with IMH, Mm. I think there's less of an issue, obviously, because they are more willing they know what kind of people they're hiring. So mm. no problem there. Some of my clients want to go outside. They want to venture out. And I think oh, more power to them. They want to try jobs at outside. But yes, then it comes down to how much do I say? So then I ask them, is there a way to how much do you say? So instead of coming out and saying, I'm taking antidepressants. Okay. Right? Because uh, sometimes apparently the worries that the employers have is also about the medication that's coming on. Because they would have read, for example, about medication being perhaps too strong or that it knocks you out if it's uh, antidepressant. So they are worried that, oh, you're on meds? Okay, wait, what time do you take it? And they actually ask. So I say, instead of going into the chemical issues, maybe just try and make them understand that, well, it's something I'm struggling with. I'm taking this so that it actually calms me down. Mm. And if I'm calmer, it's really good because then I can focus on my work. So when you put it in that sense, you're not lying but you're couching it in a way that helps them understand why the medication is there to help them be as productive as they can be rather than scare everyone into thinking, oh my goodness, you know, you're on these strong meds and they're just going to knock you out. So if you're knocked out, I'm the one who's going to take on more work. Mm. And like Deborah said, that just comes into this whole bunch of gossip and untruths mm. that are just melting on one after another. Yeah, Sounds yeah. a really good point. Yeah. So how you talk about it, how much do you want to say might help, I mm-hmm. think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In answer to your question. Yeah. That's the thing about disclosure, right? Like yeah. you want people to yeah. be okay. Yeah. To create a safe yes. zone mm. for yes. them in organizations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to have this kind of uh, opportunity yeah. to disclose. Mm. Yeah. That, hey, this is what I have. Mm-hmm. But I think as you said earlier, right, your mental health condition does not define you. Yes. Exactly. Right? And how can exactly. I still lead a normal life yeah. with for this? Sure. But I need to be able to have this safe zone, yeah. right? This safe space around me in an organization. And I think that the challenge really is with leaders knowing yes. how to create this yes. safe zone. It's a zone huge for responsibility people, right? for them. Yeah. yeah. Rather than creating that gossip yeah. culture yes. that Definitely. we talked about. Yes. Yeah. You've been listening to Silver Linings. You may find the next part of this episode on suss.edu.sg slash podcast or on your preferred podcast listening platform.